Welcome to Filmstrip, featuring Nick. They are coming. They are coming. They are not only coming, they are here. And Jay. Isn't it better be important? These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and contain in-depth discussions of the plots, characters, and themes. All content used or discussed in this podcast is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. <laughs> and this was your idea, damn it. <laughs> I know. This is, this, this is like one of those, like, I don't know. This is like a really bad idea. <laughs> this was your idea. I know. This is our review of Critters 4. If you haven't figured it out yet, folks. Starring Don Opper, Terrence Mann, Angela Bassett, and Brad Dourif. Can we call directed her Angela by Bassett? Oh, that has got to be a stunt ass. But anyway, directed by Rupert Harvey, released in 1992, of course, direct the video. Back to space we go, Nick. I just need to go ahead and tell you, man, the last time I had a franchise like this that went to space, Alien does not count. That's a different kind of film. Leprechaun did this in the fourth chapter, and it was not a good go. All right? Now, that was kitschy fun and stupid fun, but... I mean, the way I feel about that film is summed up in its closing scene with the leprechaun's disembodied hand flips the camera off. I, I kind of feel that way about Critters 4. So we go to space now. You know, we tore up the farm town twice. Die hard with Critters last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what is this? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like it's got to go to space, right? I mean, you kind of brought up Leprechaun. Leprechaun went to space. Pinhead went to space. Jason went to space. This is a ripoff of Aliens and Alien Resurrection, though, five years beforehand in every possible way. I think (laughs) this comes down to essentially they wanted to do a fourth one and they basically used some sets from Battlestar Galactica and they decided to make a movie. Well, they shot it at the same time as the third one. So this was planned all along. The third and the fourth one were simultaneous games. So that's how they went with this. I don't know, man. I I didn't expect them to go to space, even though that's where that last one ended. If you hung around through that unbearable credit scene long enough to see it. But yeah, we're we're going to space, man. So I think before we get any further into this, Nick, I'm going to ask you, tell us one final time. What is Critters 4 about? I'm really glad I'm reading this because honestly, I don't know. So We'll see if we'll see if by me reading this summary, I actually can uh, try to make sense of it myself. So, after being blasted into space with a pod containing the last of the Krite eggs, Charlie remains in hibernation until a deep space salvage crew finds the pod in 2045. The crew re- here goes our salvage guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they should have showed up with like floating past Ripley or something. That would have well, they they had the blue light that Charlie was playing with. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> the crew reports the discovery to the TerraCorp Council and await the their arrival at the abandoned space station. The station is controlled by a sentient AI that often does the opposite of what is commanded. Crew member Rick opens the pod, freeing Charlie, letting loose two young Krites who kill him upon escape. TerraCorp arrives along with Ugg, who is now a corrupt businessman, and then he kills Brad Duroff and threatens, uh, threatens the other crew members if the Krites aren't turned over to him. Charlie and Ethan Hunt down the... Ki- Ethan Hunt. No, no, not Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. <laughs> Fucking Tom Cruise is Charlie. in this shit. <laughs> Char- okay, okay. Ethan and Charlie 
hunt down and kill the last of the Krites, and Charlie shoots Ugg in the head. Charlie and the remaining two crew members take Ugg's ship and head back to Earth with the last of the Krites destroyed, destroyed as credits roll, and the ship rolls too. So. Uh, is it we got, we got, we got to end it on this I, little comedic thing of the ship rolling around like crazy because you know it's yeah of course uh okay so that's pretty much it <laughs> i mean it uh this film takes place on the roger corman set of a space station if i've ever seen one for almost its entire run oh this set is terrible man this set is completely this is like the cheapest stuff this is the cheapest stuff I've ever seen since I went down the first in Wisconsin down here in Milwaukee and saw that whore on the side <laughs> of the road, dude. I mean, this is terrible. I mean, I expect this kind of film to be cheap. You, know, you can do cheap and make it look okay. The last one was in an apartment building. For goodness sakes, at least that looked okay. This, though, I mean, this is horrible. This is so cheap. It's like they were shooting it next door. What the hell? They probably were. I mean, this is uh, this is terrible. But beyond the way it looks... The other thing about this film that I just take away from it is it's a hundred minutes long and it is insufferably boring. I was so bored during all of this. I, I mean, really, at least the first one and the second one, there were things to carry me through. These last two, man, they have been a slog to sit through. Oh, completely. I mean, even the third one, to some degree, had some fun bits to it. I even thought the beginning with, you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio and all them kind of talking, you know, reminiscing about what happened in the first two was it was watchable, man. I mean, even the whole third movie was completely watchable. Even if it was completely ridiculous, it was still watchable. This movie, and I'm not kidding, took me four times to get through. Four times. <laughs> you know, to two of the times I watched it, like 10 o'clock at night, you know, trying to get through it when everybody else is asleep. And I kept on falling asleep about 20 minutes into it. it was the third time I tried it like on a Saturday afternoon at like 1 p.m., I fell asleep again. So like tonight was actually I just got done watching it and I purposely <laughs> drank two cups of coffee before watching it. And I still barely made it through. This is the epitome <laughs> of boring. It is so trite. That's the thing. Is and I, you know, I don't think that the concept is bad. The idea here is that Charlie, we saw him get trapped in that spaceship at the end, right? At the last one, and they blow him out into space, and that ship never makes it to its home. So it, it does the aliens thing, where it just floats in space until a future year, and it's picked up by a salvage crew, and then you know the critters get loose. But the problem here is it's the the final two eggs. And it's the final two Krites. Am I wrong? There aren't more than just those two this whole time, right? Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's just the two Krites, I guess, until the end, right? I mean... Right, until they're blown away, and then that's it. They're done. They're like complete. That's why there's never been a fifth one. At least now I have an answer to that. They're extinct. They're gone. And Johnny Steele's dead, too. I mean, really, it's I, I'm I'm amazed at how small this is. And I want to say this. I think the problem that I have with the last film is that in a lot of ways, it wasn't about the Krites anymore. And in this film, it's definitely not about them anymore. It, you've got this the, the the evil corporation now. You've got can we just call it all right now? This is this this steals so much from aliens. Oh, terrible. It, that's all it is. It's like, Ugg has now become the Paul Reiser character. He's Burke. I mean, yeah, that's he, he, exactly he's, he's Charles shows. Bishop. I mean, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> maybe not Charles Bishop. I, maybe that might be a name from the ADP film that doesn't exist. But uh, 
I mean, even remember like Alien Three when Bishop shows back up and now he's a company man. You know, it's just yeah, exactly. I mean, even copied a whole setup for Aliens where it's like, oh, out in space for you know forty or fifty years. I mean, he was rescued in night two thousand forty, right? Is that the year that they gave? 2045, they say. Yeah, 2045. Ripley was out in space for 57 years. He was out in space for 93, 7, uh, you said 2045? Yeah. Yeah, so 52 years. I mean, wow. I mean, within five yeah, years of the I, same plot device as aliens. And it's it copies so much of it. And even like using like the whole aliens thing, when you get back into the sequel of that, you don't get the first alien until a half hour in. And that's the same thing with this movie. You don't get a crite until a half hour into the movie. And let's be honest, too. It's not because of artistic, it's not because of a plot or artistic reasons. It's just because it's a shitty movie. I mean, we're, we're here to watch the Krites and they don't show up until 35 minutes in. Well, what does the Krite do, too? It jumps into Rick, the, uh, you know, skeezy captain's mouth and eats him from the inside out. I mean, yeah, you're calling it out, man. This franchise is chasing something it has no business even, you know, playing in the same ballpark as. This is like the equivalent of a flag football player trying to walk on an NFL field. It's like, dude, this, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're trying to play along with the big boys right now, and it ain't working. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's more like the writers from, from Aliens are, you know, it'd be like those people, if they were, you know, coordinators on an NFL team versus your fantasy football captain. You know, that's what this feels like. It, I mean, people that are just faking it and trying to make it. And it's it's terrible. And, and it's boring as all get out. And the thing is, Angela Bassett and Brad Dourif are people well, – Brad Dourif will be in anything, okay? So, you know, his Oscar days were long ago, but whatever. He'll do anything. But Angela Bassett? Angela Bassett? I had respect for this woman as an actress, and I think I still do. She's in a lot of good stuff. But, man, I, I had no idea she started in such slummers as this. Like, this was the same year she was in Boys in the Hood. And then, you know, two years before the the big turn as Tina Turner, right? I mean, this is before she hits, right before she hit. And I'm sure she really hopes no one would ever see this. <laughs> I mean, it's such a weird thing to watch her in this kind of film. And I really don't understand what she's doing here either. I don't know either. I mean, it's almost kind of funny thinking about this franchise and how, like, the first one's by far the best. And then it kind of teeters down to almost, you know, being complete shit. And you look at like you get bigger <laughs> you, you 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 get you get bigger stars in the last two. Where you get you know obviously Leonardo DiCaprio in the third one, and then like Angela Bassett, and then Brad Dourif in the uh, fourth one. And you think the movies that had the better stars in it would be the better movies, but it turns out no, the movies that actually had nobody in it are the much better films. Well, and again, because of the reasons that remain now, Dourif was was a star at the time and would have been a star. He had been working since the 70s. You know, DiCaprio and Bassett, examples of people that hadn't made it yet, but would shortly thereafter. And so, you know, it's kind of like Jennifer Aniston and Leprechaun. That was a couple of years before Friends, you know, and that's why her face is all over the front of that now. But by no means is that her star vehicle. The thing here that kills me about this is that this was a stupid kind of film franchise to begin with. But the thing in the second one that I liked about it was that they ratcheted up the tension. They gave the Krites something else they could do. They could run together in mass, right? The third one, there was just a small number of them, and we weren't really sure how they ever got there. And now this one, there's only two of them left. They're the only two we ever see, and by the end of it, they're gone, and they're never more than, like, miniature in this thing. That's the thing. These Krites, when they feed, they grow quick, right? 
apparently not in space. Yeah, they, they kind of dropped that concept since part one. I guess it was too much money. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, they couldn't get the big suits out and somebody destroy them after that first one. I don't know. I mean, I, like, I would love to sit here and sort of, you know, walk through the plot of this, but I don't know the point of it, Nick. It's terrible. It's dumb. Like, the, the problem here is that the characters aren't fun anymore, and it's because we're following somebody that I never cared about to begin with. Charlie McFadden was a nice foil, and the fact that he was a part of the, you know, the wrap-up of the first one, and then they kind of built him as the wrap-up of the second one, I was cool with, but I never wanted to follow his adventures. Like, him being a part of this to me is one of the big problems of the film. Yeah, I God, one of the big problems. The whole movie is just a big problem. <laughs> oh man. Uh well I mean you've got that and then they do the you know troped to hell and back idea of we're gonna take a beloved character from the first film and we're gonna make him and the second one too, and now Ugg is gonna be the corrupt businessman. I mean, how did you make that? I guess you had to bring him back. I mean, he's one of the, I mean, would you really wanted Brad back? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, who, who would have cared about seeing him? But my, my point is, you know, why do we have to make Ugg the corrupt businessman now? Why does he have to be the sellout? I don't mind that whole aspect. It's just done really poorly. Like we, we can bring up alien three and, you know, me and you both really don't care for that movie very much. But I always thought one of the most interesting things about that movie was the fact that you get Bishop showing back up at the end and just to be kind of a familiar face for the main character and for the audience, but he's on the opposite side, a big twist at the end. That kind of like, you know, it gets the characters, you know, it gets, gets the audience involved in this character and then kind of like, you know, slaps him in the face going, no, now he's on the bad side. And I think that's kind of what they're going for here. I mean, it's obviously a ripoff of what happened with Bishop, but... It's just not done because, well, because we didn't even see Ugg in the last movie, except for like the last end where he, the end of the last movie where his face was, you know, kind of projected. But I don't know. I just, I think it would have been good if it was done better, but the the script is so crappy and it's just, it just kind of just like, yep, I guess he's bad and stuff like that. And then he gets shot in the head and I guess that was kind of a cool scene. Well, no, I mean, the Mexican standoff at the end, he's got the gun on Ethan, the kid, who I guess is the Brad replacement here, the kid on, on the spaceship who doesn't really know what he's doing. They, and has They never should been have made him like Brad's like great-grandson or something like that. Yeah, that would have made total sense, right? Like, I could have at least bought that, at least try to tie it back into what we know. And I mean, it would like. be like so like ridiculous, but this movie already Hell, this is. Whole you know thing. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, oh. this this whole thing is terrible, so why not do that? But, I mean, instead we get long tracking scenes of people trying to bring in the, the frozen craft, and then we you know, we see that Ethan's a mess, and then we go to the abandoned, beat-up space station, which looks like the kind of thing that was orbiting the test planet for the Genesis cave in the original Star Trek II, right? I mean, it's just this – it's all this gray, used future stuff. It's just – it all looks so cheap, and we spend so much time there – doing absolutely nothing that's the problem you know what this kind of reminds me of um if you ever watched sci-fi back in the early 2000s late 90s they had a show on there called uh was it far side or yes i remember that show that, yes, it looks it, it looks so much like that show as far as the lighting goes it's just it has like real soft lights on there that are just you know barely lighting up the set it just has really cheap photography you know cinematography on it and just the, sh- the sets look so cheap. And I had to laugh when they're like in their like their living quarters. I mean, you can tell like 
they hired some like carpenters. You know, they went they went through they went through the uh, phone book, looked for ABC carpenters, had them come in there and just build them a real quick set for them to live in. I mean, it is just ridiculously cheap. This whole film. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, that's the thing is it, it looks it looks bad. And then it's also just a lot of time of nothing happening. We you know, we watch Angela Bassett or her stunt double or whatever take a shower in the uh you know, in the shadows and they get the you know, the gratuitous butt shot and then she smacks inside the cap and we got side boob. <laughs> well, I mean, then she smacks the captain. I'm like, this is just exploitative for no reason. Like that's that, no, this it's not is it, it's 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 completely cheap exploitative because yeah. Why don't they at least give us a boob shot? They don't even give us anything. It's just like, oh yeah, there's a butt and a side boob. It's like, shit, man. I, oh, well, I, I mean, I see more than that at the YMCA. Thanks a lot. They couldn't. They couldn't even do any of that right. Like you know, remember as hackneyed as Alien versus Predator Requiem was, and how much they screwed up, you know, in that movie or whatever. At least those guys had a plot and a point that they were trying to do on a good one, but at least they were doing it. I don't know what they're trying to do here, except to set up what ultimately comes down to that Mexican standoff where you've got Ugg with the gun on Ethan and Charlie with the old Western pistol on Ugg and Ugg wheels around to shoot Charlie and Charlie puts one in his skull. And that's it. And I'm like, and, and, and you know, before that, Charlie takes out the, you know, the uh, other remaining Krites. And I'm like, that, that's all this is. Like the whole middle 60, 70 minutes of this is just totally superfluous. The first half an hour is completely superfluous. Sur- I can't even say the word. The first half hour is completely not even worth your time. The middle part's not even worth your time. The whole movie's not worth your time. I mean, I still am under the belief that they were making the third one. And they somehow came across uh, Battlestar Galactica set from the you know the seventies or eighties whenever that show was the first on, and they decided just to make a fourth movie. I mean, there's so much <laughs> just wasted time. Seriously, I think it was like they had the script for the third one, and they're like, guys, 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 guess what? The guy, the guys across the road said we can use their set for Battlestar Galactica, so we're gonna make another movie with that. And I really, because everything in this movie is just like. There's nothing going on, and it's just like all, like you said, all leads up to Charlie confronting Ugg. They could have easily done that in the third movie. They could have least they could they well, could have bookended it with him, you know, showing up and then telling Charlie, hey, you know, we ain't gonna we you can't kill the Krites, and you know, you know, and have him hold up, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm gonna shoot him in the head, and Charlie shoots him, and boom, it's the end. That would have been much more satisfying. I think we both agree this is a terrible film. So what I want to do now before we wrap it up is let's, you know, Nick, put on your famous rewriting hat. And I want you to tell me what could have made this work besides bookended in the third. If this film is going to be like it is, how do you fix this hundred minutes of mess? The Crite Homeworld. Ah, you know, that's the thing that's never been explained in any of these sequels. Where do these things come from? How do they operate? In fact, we know less and less about them as we've gone through the sequels. I, I don't know another horror franchise that explains less about the killer the more you go through it. Like, it's usually the other way around, right? Like, the, the origin story becomes so complicated that it can't withstand itself anymore. Yeah. But this one, it's less and less. And maybe it's because they don't know and they don't care. I mean, how great would it have been? And I'm just completely just going off the cuff on this. If they would have like ended, if Charlie would have ended up back up on the Krite home world, or you have like a giant Krite who's got like a crown on his head, and like it's all like just like some you know planet full of Krites, and they're all scared of Charlie because he's like the infinite Krite killer and stuff. I mean, you could have done something so much more fun than this. 
The thing is that none of the people that were involved in writing the first one, besides Don Opper, have anything to do with this film franchise anymore. And that's what's missing, is at least the people that started with this had something that they were trying to do. These people don't know what the crites are. They don't care to explain any of it. And I'm with you. I don't love the home world. That would have been cool to see. And they would, and then it would have been Charlie and this ragtag group of, you know, space salvagers that had to go and fight the crite home world because you've got two of ours captive and maybe they take two of the humans captive too. And it's this bargaining bit. And then you get UG and the evil corporation in the middle. That would have been kind of neat. And you know what? You wouldn't have had to spend any more money to do it either nick that could have been just as cheap and would have been fun to watch right if i'd heard than this piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that but the problem is this is what we've got and I, i'm disappointed this franchise has really tanked this bad i had hopes that this was going to get at least kitschy fun i mean this is the thing about like leprechaun as many dunderheaded turns as that series has taken, they've at least tried something new just about every time they've gone out with it. I mean, it was the first time it was in the middle of nowhere, and then the second time it was in L.A., and then the third time, I don't remember what the third time was really, but it was it was a different setup. And then the fourth time it was in space, and then they went to the hood a couple times. I mean, at least that series had something that it was trying to do. This one never gets itself off the ground. It never goes anywhere beyond what the original one was. I mean, Leprechaun 3 went to Las Vegas. That's right. So, I mean, at least there was that. Why didn't we get the critters in some, like, Disney World or something? Like, that would have been fun, right? I guess they couldn't get anybody to sign off of that crap, though, right? I don't know. You could have you critters at the World Cup. I mean, come on. How much could that have been? <laughs> you, got, you got these things that are essentially uh, soccer balls with teeth. Let's kind of, like, let's use that aspect. But, I don't know. I just trying to think of, like, a franchise like this where you start off with, like, I mean, you look at like Alien or something like that. You got Alien, you got the one Alien in the first one. Aliens, you got multiple aliens. And then, you know, third one goes back down to one. But then the fourth one, they try to bring back more. And this movie, it's like, okay, Critters, you got a lot of Critters. Critters 2, you got a lot of Critters. And then like Critters 3, you go down to like five, maybe four. And this one, you got two. I mean, I always thought the rule of sequels is you got to like kind of up the stakes. You got to be able to have more. And we even criticized Critters 3 because it was like, you guys had two kills. This is pathetic. And this movie has two kills as well, from what I remember from the crates. And I think there's some more, but they're not any more memorable. That's the well, problem. No, but they're off screen, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's again, the, I mean, I happen to th- I happen to wonder the budget on this had to be like minuscule, like really, really small. There's no data on it anywhere, but it had to be as cheap as they possibly could muster. Like, because there's no there's no effects in this movie. I mean, there's sound effects. That's about it. Yeah, and from what I read online, is that they actually reused a lot of the space footage from another film. They used it from a movie called Android. Wow. And they actually were they were grabbing like space scenes from that movie and then superimposing them or like filling them in with this screen. So this movie wasn't even all shot for it. They were just borrowing crap from other movies and filling in the space. <laughs> borrowing, stealing, eh, you know, yeah. I mean that that really is what it what it feels like to me. I just I don't know, man. I can't bemoaning it enough this movie sucks <laughs> and that's all there is to it this is going to be the uh you know most uh, uh perfunctory thing we've ever done in reviews but uh, go ahead and tell me how much of a small popcorn this is nick <laughs> it's not even small popcorn it's no popcorn 
This is the first no popcorn I've ever given. It's 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 no popcorn. It's literally, it's a bag of unpopped kernels. That's what it is. It's, it's just, it's not, there's nothing more to say. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, there's no butter on it. It's just basically, you know what it is? It's going on a you know a corn maze out out, out in autumn, grabbing a stale piece of corn, and then pulling <laughs> off the kernels and putting them in a dish. That's that's critters for. <laughs> I think you you've hit it on the head. It, this is terrible. It's this is the lowest of low. This is the worst thing I've ever reviewed for this show. That's saying something. I mean, I have watched some real trash, <laughs> and I'm a fan of trash cinema in some ways. But I'm going to tell you, this is true. by far. This, well, the man that is that is a genius piece of filmmaking compared to that. You know, I bang on Blair Witch too all you want. I, I, having listened to that director's commentary, there's got to be a cut of it somewhere the way he wanted it. That would actually work. That is light years above this. This is uh, Leprechaun Four is better than this. Yeah, Heck, even Graveyard Shift, even even Graveyard Shift that I hated when we reviewed it in the Stephen King series. I, well, I'd rather watch that. At least that was entertaining. At least that that goofy collection of cast was fun to watch. And it was getting somewhere. This was going nowhere, and and it should have never happened. I I I really hate it too because I like that first one. I, I've said before that first one was a childhood favorite. But man, I boy, I will never turn into this disc again, my man. I'll tell you, I'll watch that first one again. I may even watch the second one again. But these last two, forget it. No way. Critters four, duh. Awful, awful, awful. Folks, thanks so much for joining us on this latest episode of Filmstrip. You can find more episodes in the archive section of our website, continuousplaypodcast.com. Click on the Filmstrip logo. You can also find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Catch up with us on Twitter. We appreciate your support. Until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. I think you all better be here before somebody gets hurt. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17.